An honorable profession is brought to you by OpenCounter.com. OpenCounter builds tools for local governments to deliver permits and licenses online. Their portals make complex permitting simple, which lowers transaction costs, increases transparency, and empowers economic development. Check out OpenCounter.com to see what they can do for your community. Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm your host, Ryan Coonerty. As you probably know by now, An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an amazing organization that supports the next generation of American leaders. I've been a New Deal leader for years, both when I was mayor of Santa Cruz and now as a Santa Cruz County Supervisor. If you're quarantining at home right now with nothing to do, I hope you'll check out some of our past episodes with guests like Washington State Lieutenant Governor Cyrus Habib, Georgia Senator Jen Jordan, Albuquerque Mayor and Metallica aficionado Tim Keller, and so many more. As always, you can find us at newdealleaders.org or wherever podcasts are found. Today, I'm talking to a former New Dealer who has found himself with one of the most daunting jobs in this crisis mobilizing 40 million Americans to help each other in the midst of a pandemic. Josh Friday is a former mayor of Nevada who was tapped by Governor Gavin Newsom to be the chief service officer for the state of California. It was a big job before coronavirus, but now he's ensuring a lifeline between homebound seniors and necessary services. I think his story and his vision for public service is one we all need to hear right now. Josh Friday, welcome to An Honorable Profession. It's uh, great to talk to you, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Thank you. Excited to be here. So I was just telling you that I think you have one of the most daunting jobs in America right now, which is how to mobilize 40 million Californians to help each other in a time of crisis and do it safely. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the efforts that your office has undertaken um, with the spread of the coronavirus? Yeah, absolutely. And it is daunting, but I think what's also um what it's also been is inspiring to see how uh, so many people uh, including everyone who has t- made the effort to stay at home and be safe has really embarked in this collective spirit during this time. So, uh while we have big big uh challenges we need to try to uh, accomplish and and uh, work through, it's also been an inspiring time to see how communities have come together and people have really uh, stood up for each other. So I'm, I'm very grateful to be in the position I am during this time. But we've, uh, right from the very beginning, we realized uh, of this crisis that there were going to be many people who were going to be isolated uh, and left at home uh, and, uh, and, and potentially uh, cut, you know, cut off from their community as a result and, uh, and, and scared and, and might not have access to supplies. So we launched right away a neighbor-to-neighbor campaign, calling on everyone in California to check on their neighbors, to call their neighbors, and make sure that they had uh, they had what they needed. Um, and we we partnered with Nextdoor, which is a platform that reaches over 22,000 neighborhoods, uh, and we launched a campaign and initiative to to have people. Uh, check on each other. It's, it's a simple ask, but uh, in a time like this, it, it was incredibly important and meaningful. And 
we uh, we heard stories of people, um, older Californians who were did not have food, were running out of supplies, and because of the neighbor program, uh, were able to to get what they needed with that helping hand. So, again, the the challenges have been large, but it's been also inspiring to to see how Californians have come together. And I encourage people to check out Cal- Californians for All, and you can see this map in action, and it just makes a ton of sense once you see it. But it's one of those things that. Um, took a crisis to really merge government and the private and then just community groups um, together. Can you also talk about the health creation of the health core uh, and how that's going? Sure. The, uh, yeah. So the uh, governor created the health core. We launched it um, to call on those with any sort of health background uh, to step up and sign up with health core to be ready to mobilize in case there was a need for a surge. Um, and, uh, uh, the numbers were staggering. I think it was, uh, last time I saw it was close to 90,000 people had signed up for health, uh, health core, which is just an incredible, uh, feedback. And, and a, again, an example of how people have really answered the call, uh, to serve during this time. So uh, in addition to Health Corps, some of the other uh, things we've been doing, we launched, uh, as you just mentioned, Californians for All, uh, which is this new uh, initiative to engage all Californians in taking action at some at some level, and that could be um, uh, that could be done at home. So for people who uh, feel like they they want to stay safe and stay at home, there's there's things we're asking people to do, like be a, a two on one call operator or check on your neighbor um, or make facial coverings that you can donate. And then for those who are uh, comfortable uh, leaving the house, there's safe ways to volunteer, uh, whether it's at food banks or giving blood, or working at a shelter, there's, a, there's also safe ways that we're calling on people to, uh, uh, to step up and, and join us at Californians for All, and then we're working with local partners around the state to, uh, to con- make the connections so people can make a difference. So we've, um, we've tried to launch several initiatives to really meet the moment and meet the, 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 um, the most important needs of our of our state and of our communities and health corps is certainly one of them as we know this is a public health crisis uh, and then californians for all is, is playing a crucial role in helping the food banks uh, across the state which are seeing unprecedented demand uh, receive the the um, personnel capacity that that they need to operate one of the things that we saw right after uh, the crisis started was a lot of organizations who rely on volunteers like food banks um, saw a dramatic drop in their volunteer force, um, largely because, and it, it makes sense, uh, they relied a lot on their volunteers were, were seniors, were older Californians. And with the initial state home order, um, because of the nature of this crisis, um, a, a lot of uh, people were um, were asked to stay at home and so were no longer able to volunteer. And that uh, that led to some really critical needs uh, uh um, being left unmet, like at food banks. So we're trying to fill those gaps and, and asking all Californians to step up in a big way uh, as we get through this. And how do you manage? I mean, the, one of the challenges of this crisis is sort of the the day to day demands and the changing nature of our healthcare statistics and the stay at home orders uh, with developing longer term systems and with so much need in such a large state. Um, how do you, how do you identify where you're going to put your time and energy and build something that's sustainable? Yeah, it's a really great question, and and I think that the 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 critical part of this is what what you had mentioned earlier, which is 
making sure that we're working very closely with organizations on the ground and communities around the state. So that we're actually meeting community needs and then doing it with many of the infrastructures uh, that existed already. Um, However, there's brand new needs that are, that have arisen as a result of of this crisis. And so um, the food banks is, is a, is a great example of that. Um, And so what we've, uh, what we've had to do is, is essentially think about what are the most vulnerable populations in our state um, and then what are the most uh, vulnerable communities that need support um, and then how do we leverage state resources to meet those needs. So, for example, in the, um, with the food banks, when we saw the dramatic decrease in, uh, in volunteers, we initially sent in the, the California Guard to provide support there and then the California Conservation Corps. And then we're soon going to be sending in AmeriCorps disaster team members to provide capacity support to manage large swaths of volunteers and a volunteer force. Um, and this, it does take a lot of structure. It takes a lot of uh, management. Um, but it's, uh, that's, that's what the state is here to do. And, and it's really about prioritizing the most vulnerable communities and making sure that they have what they need. Yeah. And I think one of the more interesting things from my perspective in California is, you know, the volunteerism and service at the state level has always been a, a value that people have. Um, but this governor and you have really made it central to the, to the response and recovery. Um, how, uh, what's it like sort of working with the governor in the midst of a crisis when there are so many, uh, so much competition for his time and attention in order to, uh, to, to, to elevate the role of volunteers as a, as a part of the crisis response? Yeah, sure. So it's a great question. And I'm very lucky and very fortunate, uh, that I get to be in this position as chief service officer for the state. Uh, for a governor that cares so deeply about uh, service and volunteerism, and it's it's just in his blood. It's second nature to him. Uh, he he really believes that um, uh, solutions and uh, and uh, how we're going to get through our biggest challenges is not going to come from Sacramento. It's not going to come from uh, government necessarily. It's going to come from all of us stepping up and helping each other. And so he it's it's he just innately. Uh, believes in, and is passionate about the power of service and the power of volunteerism, uh, which makes my job easier um, uh, in terms of getting the, the making it a priority. Uh, so very fortunate for that. Um, but we also understand that, uh, you know, we're, we have some, uh, there's a cultural issue. We have to, um, people aren't used to being, I think, asked by their leaders to step up uh, and they're in, in, in big ways and, um, and think about how do they serve uh, more meaningfully. It's not something that I would argue for, um, you know, for a few, couple of generations uh, it, that it's been the norm. And I think uh, I think Governor Newsom is breaking that norm and in saying to to all of us that if we are going to tackle our biggest challenges uh, today, it's COVID. Tomorrow may be climate change, homelessness, um, whatever it may be it's going to require all of us stepping up in a big way and all of us doing something uh, meaningful to help each other. And that's, that's something that he believes in. Um, and I think we're seeing that play out with uh, the, uh, the priority that he's placed on it during this crisis. Yeah. And I think 
uh, I'd like to get your insights. It's hard in the middle of a crisis to, uh, to sort of ask these longer term questions, but um, you're yeah. in just the right place, which is, so I was just on a conference call uh, with some other leaders and Pete Buttigieg, and he was talking about the importance of reestablishing national service um, as a way to both address the country's problems, as you mentioned, but also rebuild uh, partisan divides, uh, reduce inequities in our com- in our country and our communities. Um, what do you see as the future of uh, community service or national service, and how how might you how do you think California might be a model for other places going forward? Yeah, and I'm I'm glad that uh, Mayor Pete is still talking about national service. Uh, he's something he, I know he's passionate about. I've I've known him since we were in the Navy. And, uh, and, and I know he's always been talking about this and, um, and it's cause it's, it's, I think for those in, in our generation, um, post nine 11, uh, we recognize that it's, we need to be asking people to step up and serve in, in new ways and, and in broader ways when, when, especially when we have a crisis, but not only when there's a crisis that, that a, a democracy only works when people trust each other. Uh, and people feel connected to each other. And, um, and my experience in the military is, is that there's no, no better way to connect uh, than having a, a common mission when you're put together with people uh, from all different backgrounds and beliefs. And, um, and, and you only have one thing to do, which is accomplish a mission together. And, and that breaks down all barriers. And so if we can, if we can create that kind of opportunity for more people, we have the ability to to uh, rebuild trust in communities. We have the ability to um, bridge some divides that that I think we're seeing in a very polarized uh, country right now. And we also have the ability to solve our major problems, um, like I said, whether it's climate change or or homelessness or or getting through the COVID crisis. Um, so I I think that we're actually in a generational moment right now uh, for service, where um, there's even before this crisis, uh, I had been saying, and our office had been um, talking about the the importance of calling on all 40 million Californians to to tackle our biggest problems, and really needing everyone in the game. And, and the, now we're in a crisis where literally every single person is affected by it. Um, and so we, you know, it's it's easy to see and recognize that. We, we are all in this together, and, and there's also something that all of us can do, whether it's stay, in this particular crisis, it's staying home, uh, or it's working at a food bank, or it's uh, giving blood, or it's being a two-on-one operator, or it's working at a shelter. There's a variety of things you can do. Uh, this crisis demonstrates that, but the reality is is that in our in our country and in a democracy, um, that, can't, that can't happen only during a crisis. We need everybody... Uh, involved and engaged um, all the time. And I think people, you know, people are going to recognize that differently coming out of this crisis. And so we do have an opportunity to, uh, to reinvigorate national service. I think there's some really exciting proposals we're seeing in Congress right now around, uh, around what uh, we could do to expand AmeriCorps. And then I think we should build on the kinds of programs that we've created in California um, uh, with Governor Newsom's leadership that, that really promote the idea that we want people to serve. So I'll give one example. Uh, we launched shortly before the COVID crisis started a 
a program called Civic Action Fellows, um, where we are partnering with eight California universities. And we are saying to, for those universities, um, if you get into the university and then you commit to doing a semester or a year of service while you're in the university, uh, the universities will give you academic credit and will um, provide us to a $10,000 scholarship uh, for each student that does that. So it's a, that, programs like that are a win for everyone because it helps people uh, achieve higher education so that they can go on and, and fulfill their dreams in their career. Uh, it helps communities by having uh, young people serve and solve problems. Um, and it uh, and it builds communities by having people work together uh, to um, uh, to achieve things. So I think if we can build on programs like that, I think if we can build on the spirit and the collective spirit of service that we've seen in COVID throughout California, uh, and we can realize that if we're going to solve our problems not just now but in the future, we need people to serve and we need people to step up um, and that's part of what it means to be a Californian, uh, then I think we're going to be in very good shape. Yeah, and how, I mean, a big part of it is you need that infrastructure and uh, systems to get people into service or recognize their service. Um, But I like what you're talking about where you need that, there's an expectation and a culture. Um, Yeah. What can people who are listening to this podcast or leaders at the state and local level around the country do, do you think to create a culture of service? Yeah. Thank you for asking that because I actually think in many ways, so the infrastructure is critical um, for being able to uh, absorb those who want to serve. And I would argue that we haven't invested in that infrastructure as, as profoundly as we needed to as a country. And, and hopefully that's starting to change. And, and certainly Governor Newsom's commitment to this is, is showing how we can make that change in California. But as important as the infrastructure is, in my opinion, the cultural shift uh, to where people, ex- you're, you're expecting Expected to serve. I was part of a national service organization um, founded by General McChrystal, uh, where he he talks about the cultural expectation of service and wanting to get to a point where everyone asks, "Where did you serve?" And it, that's not. And that's a question that, as veterans, as military veterans, we ask each other. And you, you know, I say I was in Japan, and then I was in Guantanamo. But we should, that should be a question that every Californian asks themselves, which is, "Where did you serve?" Um, and so in order to sort of get to the, the, the cultural, uh, piece, that's the, the, the critical part of that is having leaders, I think, set the expectation. And so I think one of the powerful parts about the civic action fellowship program that I just mentioned, um, is where we have eight university presidents, uh, that launched the program with us as we, is to have university leaders say to their students, we expect you to serve, we want you to serve, and if you serve, we're going to help you go to college in the same way that generations of, of veterans got received the GI Bill uh, for their service. And so I think that's an example of um, uh, of how leadership, you know, it's not just it's not just political leaders. We need university leaders. We need business leaders saying that they're willing to hire people who, who have served uh, before and that they also expect their employees to volunteer and give back uh, if you work at their company. We need local leaders calling on people. Uh, so there's there's really an opportunity for everyone to play a role, I think, uh, up and down the state in helping us change this culture. It's not it's not just going to come from uh, from one or two people. It needs to come across from across the board. And how uh, 
Can you talk about your path to service? You've, as we mentioned, you've served an elective office. Now you're appointed office. Previously, you were in the military. Clearly, there's a um, there's a path uh, commitment to service. Can you talk about your path? Like, how did you, how do you find yourself where you are today? Sure, I think I um I uh, uh, often don't like to talk about myself, um, but I do think it was instructive for for how I got here uh, in 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 this this position. Um, I've always had a desire to to help out and and to want to make a difference somehow. Um, and so I, I think it started at my probably my first real structured service experience was when I was 17 years old, I, I did a program called Amigos de las Americas, where I went and lived in the Dominican Republic for a summer and did uh, community health work and built latrines and helped build an aqueduct uh, in, a, in a small community in the Dominican Republic that had no running water, no electricity. So for a 17-year-old from California, it was quite a uh, culture shock, uh, but it was probably the most informative uh, experience of my life. Um, uh, and one of the things I think that is, is so powerful about service and helping others and being in, 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 in challenging experiences, um, like that is, is you come out of it realizing that, uh, that there's actually as much personal benefit um, and it may sound selfish, but the governor always often talks about how the happiest people he sees uh, are the or he, the happiest people he knows are those who volunteer. Um, and there's a lot of science behind the the actual uh, impact of volunteering on on on, on someone personally. Um, but the things that I learned in the Dominican Republic at, at that young age and the experience of being in a brand new situation and having to work with people uh, that that uh, that come from a very different background than I did was all invaluable. Uh, and I got a lot out of that as pro- probably as much or more than I actually gave myself. And so, um, so I always felt, uh, from there, uh, a real, um, need to want to help others and, and, uh, especially those uh, with less uh, who are underprivileged. Um, and so I stayed active in college and was involved as a student activist and helped get uh, money for for the first time for statewide student housing uh, in California with the with the UC system, the student association there. Uh, and then after college, joined uh, a presidential campaign uh, and stayed very involved in uh, in in different issues uh, in campaigns. Um, and then it was I, I decided to go to law school. Cause I saw a lot of people who are, ha- who are making a big impact at, at the policy level and they all seem to have law degrees or at least the ones that I was around. So I thought it might make sense to, to try to get a law degree. So I was at Berkeley uh, getting my law degree and it was, it was around the, the surge of the Iraq war uh, and things were going terribly in Iraq and, and in Afghanistan uh, and in the war on terror uh, and it sort of occurred to me that, um, and I started thinking about it and writing about it a lot, that there's a, there was a real disconnect at the time between these wars that were being fought overseas uh, and, the, um, and the fact that most Americans weren't impacted at all by, uh, by the actual, by the wars. So in other words, less than 1% uh, of Americans served in the wars. We weren't paying taxes. We weren't selling war bonds. 
um, people weren't impacted by that. And I thought it just occurred to me that in a, in a democracy, that's, that's not a healthy thing. And so after thinking about it and writing about it uh, and talking about it uh, uh, long enough, I finally decided I needed to um, uh, put my money where my mouth was and decided to commission as an officer in the Navy, uh, which was a phenomenal experience. I got to serve in Japan. Uh, actually, my first, my first major disaster wasn't COVID. I was part of the uh, disaster relief effort after the tsunami an earthquake and a nuclear disaster, the Fukushima nuclear disaster in Japan, uh, which is the largest military disaster relief effort uh, in history. Um, and then from there went and served in, in Guantanamo with the military commissions. Um, and then when I came home uh, from the military, um, I was uh, really, really felt like if more people could have the experience like I had, where you are, where you get, I got to be around people of very different backgrounds, uh, very different beliefs, uh, and, um, and be part of, uh, of that, having that experience of just focusing on a common mission, a common purpose, and the camaraderie that that builds. Uh, if more people could have that, our, I think our country would be in a much different place. So I started thinking a lot about and working on national service. I'd mentioned a, an organization I was part of that General McC Stanley McChrystal had started around national service. Um, and and then when I uh, when I had the uh, chance, as you had mentioned, to be elected official, I was a, the mayor of, uh, of my town, my hometown in Novato, California. Uh, I decided to that we wanted to create a, a service program connected to our local college, Dominican University there, where we created a program that if you graduate from Novato High School and you commit to doing two summers of service with the city of Novato and you got into Dominican University, Dominican was going to give you a $100,000 scholarship. And that was an example, a way for me to uh, use my position of leadership as mayor to say to our young people, we want you to serve, we need you to serve, uh, and if you do, we're gonna we're gonna find out ways to help find ways to help you uh, pursue your dreams and your career. And fortunate enough to have a great partner in Dominican University and the president there, Manny Marcy, uh, who's a wonderful leader, um, who to really understand the the need to serve and the need for for young people to be given that opportunity. So, um, so you're you're right to ask say that the service has been sort of a part of my my whole life, and and I feel very very blessed that. Uh, that Governor Newsom is as committed to this issue as he is, and has asked me to uh, to take on this this role and think about how do we create a, a real culture of service that brings people together and unites people in California, uh, and also solves our biggest challenges. That's an amazing journey, and um, I hope I hope there aren't any more natural disasters following you around uh, <laughs> anytime soon. If for someone who's listening and maybe just at the beginning of they're coming out of college uh, or thinking about grad school or just, just starting work. What's, what's the first step towards service, you know, that you'd recommend? Yeah, I think that's actually what we're, we're, we're trying to create in California as an opportunity for everyone to serve or do or volunteer at some capacity. Um, and so I think about it as almost like a pyramid where, uh, at the at the bottom of the pyramid is is because it's the biggest part. You have people who can do a couple hours of volunteering on a on a weekend, and then at the top of the pyramid uh, is people who can are, have the ability to dedicate a year 
uh, or maybe a, a career um, to service. And I think what we want uh, is to provide the, the opportunity for no matter where you are, if you're looking to do if you're looking to give back a couple hours uh, on a Saturday or you're looking to spend a semester or a gap year uh, right after college or you're looking to um, uh, spend an entire year uh, doing something like an AmeriCorps program, we want to give you that opportunity. So I think my advice would be is, is think about uh, where, what you um, – uh, what you're, what you'd like to commit to. I mean, are you looking for an opportunity that, that is, is short term or are you willing to take on a long-term opportunity? And then most of the, um, think about what you're passionate about and what you're, uh, what you, what you want to be involved with. And if you want to, if, if the COVID experience has, uh, has inspired you to join the public health field, um, then think about being a nurse as a, as a service job, uh, that's, incredible and obviously is saving people's lives every day now or think about um uh, going to public health school or think you know there's a lot of different ways that i think people can can give back and, and pursue a uh, um a, a career in service um uh, right now so but it, but i would first and foremost think about what you're passionate about uh and then um and then find an opportunity and and think about what you know what you're willing and able to do so because not everyone can take a year off to do, and it's not a year off. So that's a, that's the wrong way of describing it. But not everyone can take a year uh, to do a, a an AmeriCorps program, and not everyone um, can or is is willing to join the military for four years of active duty. And so, uh, what we what our message is, is is that everyone can make a difference. It doesn't matter if you want to spend four years or a career, or you want to spend a weekend. Um, and we need everyone. Everyone has has value and everyone can make a difference um, no matter what time commitment uh, or length you're able to do. And I know uh, everywhere is going to need thousands and thousands of census takers and thousands and thousands of tracers, public health tracers. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of good opportunities to serve your community uh, in the very near future. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Uh, So we need, the point is, is we need everyone and, uh, I would I encourage people to go to californiansforall.ca.gov to find out ways they can sign up and join us, and and be, and then we'll connect you to opportunities in your community, and and also uh, find other ways, uh, whether it's through AmeriCorps, which is an amazing program and opportunity uh, for young people to give back to their community and and learn important skills, uh, or other or or career in public service. There's so ways people can make a difference and. And the point is, is that we need you uh, and we need each other. So we hope we hope uh, people take this time to, to continue to step up for each other. It's really important. Well, thank you. Let me ask you one last question, which is I know you have three young boys. Uh, any advice for us parents who, are, who want our kids um, to have, a, have that sense of service? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, well, we'll see. Am I, uh, uh, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to succeed at that. Um, but I think I enjoy talking to my children about, uh, why service matters, um, and how there's, there's always people, no matter where you are, that are less fortunate and, uh, and have less and, and, and need a helping hand. And, and I think, I think actually it's a, I'm glad you asked the, the question about a parent because you had asked earlier about, uh, how, how we can create a culture of service and what leaders can do to create a culture of service in our, in our communities and, and in our state. 
Um, and in, and in the reality, it, again, it's not, it can't just be a one governor calling on people to serve or, uh, or mayors, uh, or elected officials. Um, it needs to be everybody. And there's probably no more important role model that can, um, set that expectation of service than a parent, uh, for their children. And if, if every parent expected their kids to serve in some way and in some capacity, uh, we would, uh, we would be, we would live in a very special society. So that would be my advice. Hopefully I succeed at that as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If we all expected it and then the kids actually listened to us, uh, that would be, that would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. That's the big, that's the hardest part. That's right. (laughs) Um, well, Josh, thank you for your service. Um, it's a pleasure talking to you and I, uh, I, I know you have a, a million things to do and millions of Californians to get out and, uh, to help each other. Uh, and as, as a Californian, I appreciate, I appreciate your efforts. That means a lot, Ryan. Look forward to working with you, uh, more closely. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders. And keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Road Group produces podcasts. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast. Mm-hmm.